Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat, recorded live on February 28th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring Revelation. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 And this is Savior, Green-Eyed Music Lover. You're in the top common three, I believe, is what Charlemagne... Wasn't that, isn't it, is like, number three? Oh, I think I it's the I number three most popular title, I think, at the moment, I believe, is the stat that they released earlier. I think this week, I think, was when they did that. Because uh, Charlemagne has yeah, the ability yeah. to count now, I think. They said they added it. Oh. Yeah. it's uh, they, they are adding the ability to count everyone who has different titles, and then they were able to calculate based off that. Like, the popularity I think Dredgen's of them. most popular. Yeah, I think it was Dredgen and... Like the nineteen one. Yeah, maybe? I can't remember what it was. It was something like Dredgen, and then um, I can't. But I know. I think they said Savior is now in the top three most common, uh, mm-hmm. which which it's whatever. But I thought that was I was it was an interesting statistic to watch. But um, last but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have a our good friend Chatting Myth, or as we know him, Josh. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, usual introductory question for you. Where can we find you out on the internet for anyone who hasn't heard you on the show before? Uh, so, you could definitely check me out on Twitter, at Chatting Myth. Um, I lurk a lot in the Discord channel, uh, usually because there's a lot of big topics that I can't sort of dive into at the moment. Um, and I'm Lore Network as well. Or on the Lore Network website. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And then Green D, I know you probably usually have some some extra stuff. Yeah, some extra stuff. Uh, actually, Josh, I wanted to kind of dive away from our normal topics and talk a little bit more with you about some of the articles you've written for the Lore Network. Um, you've done, I know you've done one, I believe, on the like the Lord of the Rings or the um, uh, the Tolkien series and everything like that, and some of your other ones that. Are I believe are out now, Blue, or are they coming out? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, 
this Josh, we have two Joshes. Uh, this Josh, uh, I think we were. I think Josh, weren't you saying you were working on some? I know you were talking about working on one other one. Um, but you did you did a really good one. I really liked the one that you did on. It was it the Force. It wasn't. Was it the Force Awakens? And the cave. I, so, I, so the first one I did was on the Last Jedi. Right. Okay. Um, okay. The Last Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that was the first one I did. Uh, second one I did was on. Uh, was a Tolkien one, Tolkien related, mm-hmm. uh, about some of the early crafts in Middle Earth and Arda. Uh, and then the third one I did, which I had a lot of fun doing, was the one on all of the Elixni. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That was a good one. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I played with that one a lot. There was a lot of research that went into that because you went into all the different houses and how everything interacted together, and then de- deciphering. <laughs> everything yeah it started uh, it started sort of me wanting to talk about the races of destiny and how mm-hmm. they change between d1 and d2 and uh, uh how everything seemed to be very uniform in d2 you know we don't have all these different houses we don't have all the legions and stuff like that um but i was always a big galixney person and so it kind of just ran with all the fallen stuff that we had at the time or close to it yeah that article i'm trying to i'm looking it up right now came out oh back it looks like in april last year so it's almost been a year since that article's been out some really interesting things in there as far as breaking everything apart and just die um not diagnosing breaking everything apart and diving deeper into it a little bit it's one of the better Elixni articles out there, I would say, up with the um, Elixni language article on Ishtar. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you kind of mentioned the dive into the races, but what is your favorite lore story or lore book or even, I don't know, just arc in Destiny since there's so many different little arcs going on now? Ooh, um, That's hard. Uh mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I I'm with the majority who come from D one, um, you know the Dwindler's Ridge is really what is still probably one of the best stories. Um, although I will say I, I've enjoyed D two compiling these uh, these lore novels or <laughs> lore textbooks in some cases like today. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, probably Dwindler's Ridge, probably still. Nice. So was Dwindler's, Dwindler's Ridge like the first story that you really dove into? Or was there something else that got you into diving into lore? Um, hmm. Do I want to annoy Blue this early? Yes. Right. So, uh, so what got me into the lore with Destiny was twofold. Uh, so the first thing was the concept art for D1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed looking at the concept art. I feel like the concept art sort of tells us a lot of what is destiny and what destiny might have been in different circumstances. Um, so early on, sort of looking at the concept art, you know, uh, the big one that came up recently with Shadowkeep, of course, is uh, the concept art of the pyramid ships. You know, that's mm-hmm. a D one thing. Uh the second thing that got me into the lore, uh, which in my head I consider lost lore, but is the flavor text that was on weapons, that was on armor, 
So, you know, we had all of year one D1 where the Books of Sorrow was lost lore because it was on, it was the Thorn flavor text. We didn't know really what that was. Taken King, we got the Books of Sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what uh, what kind of crosses with how I even got familiar with Focus Fire Chat was the Helm of Saint 14, I think, and at least one other piece that had Payin on it. <laughs> and uh, that's and the thing that always was, hooks people. It always gets them. Well, I was in the middle of I, I was in the middle of class uh, during my undergrad, and I had seen Willie make a comment about Payin, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a classic student. I'm actually going over Greek religion." Oh look, here's all these different references to Payin in my <laughs> class right now. So that's sort of how I got in, you know, how I really sort of started diving and all this stuff. Yep, Black Flag, all roads lead to Pan. Oh God, Pan or Pain depends uh, depending on if you're how you're going to say it. Pain in the traditional sense. <laughs> I mean, I heard you say the same thing twice, so I don't, I don't. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Willie. Um. Gosh, okay, so I I think I used to know the answer to this one back from D1, but I don't know if you still play the same class. What's your primary class in D2? Uh, oh, 100% Hunter. Hunter since D1 beta. Okay. Um, yeah, I used to be a big arch... Uh, arch arch trainer. I used to be a I used to be a big blade, blade dancer, dancer in D1. Because uh, <laughs> I loved going invisible. Um, and I... I, I know I was pretty good with the throwing knives too, but then Night Stalker came out, and yeah, I had Shade Step, I had No Land Beyond, I had Wormwood. I was perfect. Oh, I loved it. That was probably my favorite time in Crucible. You know, right now I feel like Night Stalker has great utility, but the super is not as strong as it was in D one by a long shot. Yeah, and uh, I really like running spectral blades, mm-hmm. but I but I feel like the the last perk in the tree is kind of irrelevant. So I've and now that weighted knife is in, you know, I've been going back to gunslinger a bit and trying to practice that. So oh well, have you uh, have you seen the news release today with the TWAB where they said that we're going to get sticky grenades back? That was I loved hitting people with those and seeing this mm-hmm. crazy rave light going on in a cave somewhere. That's great stuff. Time for unicorns. Yep. Or if you're inappropriate, other things. Um. <laughs> I don't see anything inappropriate about narwhals. You're continue. a good egg, Blue. Yeah, you're continue. A good egg. Continue. Um. Just, just continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, we kind of asked about uh, Lore Network. We asked about Destiny. I kind of want to ask more about you personally, because you've been on the show uh, I believe twice before now, right? It's not just, it's been a while since you've been on the show, but you've been on the show before. And I wanted to kind of dive into what are you currently studying? Cause if you're not an undergrad, that means you're past that and doing what? Uh, so I'm currently a master's student. I'm trying to get my master's in museum studies since that's the world that I found myself in. I, uh, I really do love working in museums and, uh, being able to teach visitors and uh, young adults. So that's sort of been my field. Um, I'm still very much into mythology and lore exploration. That's 
Um, I've been trying to start my own website or my own blog site rather. Um, nice. And I've been trying to practice my writing and, and practically do some comparative literature, literature. I haven't done anything for the Lore Network in a while because I have, I've been like separating ideas for my own blog site and for the yeah. Lore Network. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been me for the past year. That's awesome. Shout out your, shout out your blog and make sure to get the links for that for the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so my blog is chattymyth.com and hopefully soon I will have something up by the end of this week or next week. Uh, Godzilla related. I'm a super Godzilla Ooh. fan. So cool. Nice. All right. Well, blue, do we have any special announcements this week? Uh, no, not for me. Um, no, I don't. I don't. Other than yay for additional mind trips from Bungie. Yeah. We're going to get into that, I'm sure, tonight and just going forward with the uh, lore entries that are dropping or the mm-hmm. preview. Yeah, that's that the one that I was talking was about. Is very active today, talking about it. Well, and I think that's not just that. It's not just that too. Um, they also had the uh, 4K version of the teaser image with next season's artifact. I believe is mm-hmm. the confirmation that we got from Luke and some of the other team members. Uh, and I had, I had no, I had put out a couple little things because I was like what are these there's a few like tokens and stuff that are inside that image that i'm like okay hey i don't know where these images came from but they're really really just interesting and i was just curious about them and that i that that was a random 2 a.m tweet that like apparently took off thanks bye <laughs> for retweeting <laughs> that i was like i woke up in the morning and i was like what is going on and i was like oh bife effect okay got it um so yeah, but that was that was a fun conversation we had. I know what I had today throughout the day was, you know, there's there's a couple there's like three tokens on the image that have different very very similar to what would you would expect in like like heraldry or heraldic arms, but they aren't crests. Like it's it's an interesting like it's an interesting art choice and so it's just like to me it was like I'm like okay, these are these are actually really interesting. I know there was the there was a bit of a chat about there's a goblet in that was kind of hidden in there, so everyone was mm-hmm. like, "Oh!" And it's like, "Yeah." I mean, I have my own kind of it thoughts kinda on it. Kind of looks like I mean, it kind of looks like calluses, but it also does. Doesn't. Yeah, it does. It's much more ornate than calluses. Um, and my one like the my one problem with it is that the the chalice of opulence doesn't have any decorations on the inside of the cup Mm -hmm. and that one is extremely ornate on the inside of the cup so i was like i was like uh plus we actually have a really really uh man it was i think it was back in i think it was during season of opulence that we got it but we got the concept art of the chalice and like how it like opens up and like all this really cool stuff of you know how the leviathan is built into the stem and all like i mean it was really really cool um high definition image of the chalice so it was it was like i'm like i don't think it but it but then you know the sword i think the sword they said is the actual artifact i think everyone kind of agrees on um 
but that was a, that was a little bit of a fun one. And then yeah, the the lore drops. If you guys haven't read those, I think there's two of them at the moment. There's one that I know of. Okay, with the what gives me pause with Osiris. Okay, okay, I couldn't because re- I know wasn't, but wasn't there another one that was re- released earlier, or was that just for the uh, the uh, the Scion Super Saiyan Scions that that was that was for this season. That wasn't okay. for next okay. season. All right, they all kind of start blending together after a while. Um. But yeah, the what the one that hit today was uh it made the grumpier old men movie much more confusing. Um I'm just going to say that. It's not I mean, did it did it did it really I've make only, grumpier I've old only I, so I've only gotten a chance to read through it once on like a really high level of it and I was like, I don't even know. There's a lot of yelling. The grumpy old guy is yelling at a a big mouth in the the I'm like I don't even have I love how chat's like, no, grumpy old man movie is nice and simple. You leave him alone. Yeah, this one is way, I mean, there's a lot to dig into. Not only is the location of where Osiris heads to interesting, I actually cornered uh, Ziona in chat and made her help with some of the uh, terminology and how the physics of it is not correct, but at least we get an idea of where, where they're intending for it to go. Hmm. It's yeah. interesting. I might have you relay that to to us because I was definitely this this week is definitely going to be uh, connected to last week. Um, so I will we'll kind of mention that in the housekeeping notes here mm-hmm. in a second, uh, and then definitely you know this this particular first episode we won't probably get into too much. We might we might do like the web lore and um, the in, like overarching entries. Because the advanced session, I know I have quite a bit on, um, especially the mental component that is built into the entries. It's very interesting talking about some of the, there's there's a couple of mentions of a term called neurochemical cascades um, that have very interesting ramifications if they're going to double down on that particular piece. So, but yeah, um, let's run through a couple of just housekeeping notes real quick. And we'll get right into the intro session. Last episode, we discussed the lore book Last Days on Kraken Mary with Worthy D. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to let us know by giving us a shout over on Twitter, leaving a comment on Podbean, or sending us a quick email at focusfirechat at gmail.com. Reviews or comments on where we can improve are always welcome. They let us know what we can do better to create a more enjoyable experience for everyone. To all who have sent feedback or left us a review, thank you. As many of you are aware, Focus Fire Chat is a community in which we offer the chance to dive into lore from within various titles and mediums, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. Every Friday at about 10pm Central, the podcast team gets together to stream a summary of the chosen topic for that week. The hope for this is to help encourage dives into aspects of game lore within both our Discord server and within the other communities we share the digital world with. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, a central hub for content that covers a wide variety of different titles and mediums. Our full show notes for each week's topic will be posted here, so for the additional information or guest details, be sure to check the site out. Our next topic is going to be an exploration into the process of world building. That being said, however, we still want to hear your thoughts about this week's topic. Be sure to weigh in over on our Discord, and don't be shy in tagging any of the team in on the conversation. We can't wait to read what your thoughts are. But for now, let's get back to the show. 
So, Green, where would you feel best we should start? Well, this book is scary. It's not related to the biblical revelation, which is good, but it's also scary like the biblical revelation. So, no worries about seeing any sort of um, apocalyptic horsemen or anything like that. There's not going to be any of that in this. But I think if we start on the moon with what is going on, basic, basic going on, essentially we have a team, uh, the K-1 team, who was designated uh, to research this area. And specifically this, uh, do they ever call it out as the artifact or the anomaly? So there, oh man, um, there is a call out, and I can't remember if it's in this book or in another book. There is a call out that they don't refer to it as anomaly because of the superstition that space mm-hmm. uh, or that um, article. Yeah, I can't remember if, but they they don't refer they they don't tend to refer to it as the anomaly because of a superstition based around that term for mm-hmm. uh, astronauts. I think is what they I think that's what they said an astronaut. Um, but yeah, it's it is. I refer to it kind of interchangeably as anomaly or artifact or article. I don't. I don't call it the art. I think they might refer to it as the article. I refer to it as the anomaly or the artifact. To be perfectly honest. Hmm. I think it's really interesting because this group is. It's been appears to be organized by Clovis Bray on the moon, but not necessarily. Clovis Bray, Bray people there. It's um, a branch essentially working on this and doing the research. And while they're researching, a few interesting uh, things begin to happen to them. They have um, essentially kind of a depressed state. Their stress levels are raised very, very high. And um, many of them are not able to sleep because of the exposure to the article. So. It takes place uh, during the Golden Age before the events of Kraken Mare, which we talked about last week. I, I and... want to double down on that answer, too, because this is not during the collapse or at the start of the collapse by any means. And a lot right. of I've seen a lot of times when people mention K1, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this is happening during the collapse or this is the start of the collapse. No, not at all. If anything, this actually this actually the events in the book actually take place over a period of at least three years. Um, it is an extended time. Uh, so there's that. So, but it also takes place well, bef- well, it takes, so theoretically, it could take place before K, um, New Pacific, sorry. Um, mm. And that goes back into the conversation that we had um, about the fact that it is connected to new Pacific through the Pell family. Um, so we can, we'll, we'll kind of get into that when we talk about like the breakdown of the individual characters that we see, the Pells actually do show up here. Um, and just the same as with Kraken Mare, they are actually pretty minor characters. There's a, there's a bit of a call out for David Pell, uh, in one of the entries for, for his, discovery or his uh, revelation if you want to kind of play on that word um which is interesting but the uh the end thing is that this definitely is not during the collapse at all um i would argue that it's actually before 
before the events of Kraken Mare. Uh, and yeah, the books, the reason that I say that it takes place over three years is we actually get timestamps in the book, uh, the book on the lore book, the uh, collector's edition also refers to events here. If you don't have, if you have not had a chance to read that, I would highly recommend it. It does a lot to speak to the flavor, especially from the perspective of, um, I think it's the, um, uh, Kian, I think Zian, I, I can't, uh, Quan is the commander. So it's the Quan is the, is the woman who writes the book that is in the collector's edition. That is her journal. Um, so it does, it does a very, very good job of giving a bit of perspective there, but the, the book itself, the lore book takes place over a period of time spanning around three years and 69 days. Um, we'll get into that cause there could be room for a bit of squeezing back and forth on that based off some of the events in the books. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think as far as like a really basic thing, it's, this book is the dive into the exploration of this site, and it is a operation that takes place as in correlation with Clovis Bray, Clovis Bray, and uh, the aerospace of China. So, uh, if you remember on the moon, or if you go to the moon now, you you see all the iconography that uh, China had the main base on the moon and everything. So you see that site take place there. And as they're doing this research, you see more and more disturbing aspects. We follow um, the line of a woman specifically a little bit later in the book. There are 20 cards. And the first couple of cards are just like setting up everything. And then we get to the mouse where you see uh, Dr. Janet Green writing these letters to her daughter, essentially. And we kind of get a dive into her... um, her exposure to it and how everything's affecting her. And then we get a lot of communications between uh, Commander Jane. I, I'm terrible with Asian names, so I'm sorry if I mispronounced yeah, I can't, I can't or, remember if it's King or Quan. I just refer to her as Quan because that's her first name. So Commander Quan. Uh-huh. And then Dr. Luli is the other one that it makes a lot of it. Um, moments that come out and we get a surprise visit from uh alton bray (laughs) which is an interesting interesting card in the visitor which Mm -hmm. that brings a whole new light to what goes on with him and kind of the head of the brays is he remind me is he the head of the bray or is he one of the brothers he uh, alton is one of the sons brothers we don't really know because we don't really know how far along. Well, at this point, it would be on the uprise of Clovis Bray again. Uh, we had mm-hmm. mentioned that in Clo- uh, Krakenmar. Um But Alton was, if I were, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, Alton was, I believe, the brother figure to Elsie, or not Elsie, to Anna. Um, mm-hmm. Which we don't, like, we never get called out explicitly like the relationship between them, but it's pretty, I'm pretty sure that Alton and Anna were siblings. And then, um, cause Clovis Bray himself and Clovis Bray jr. Were the, the, the leads, um, the leads of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that I think is the easiest, um, 
breakdown I can give without reading into too much, unless you want me to go through like the who's who and the what's what and the where's where. Yeah, I would just say like, you know, the big thing you kind of touched on it is, um, you know, operational command is definitely designated to Commander uh, Kwan. Uh, there's a there's an interesting call out there that she is a House of Wisdom graduate who is also Sati Command certified. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit later. Uh, her staff basically of the K-1 complex included multiple doctors, staff, researchers, technicians, officers, and the dedicated AI submine firewall. So we do have a submine of Rasputin present. Uh, he is, it is actually the reason we have the records that we do in Revelation. These are all records given to Rasputin by firewall. Um, Commander Kwan actually reports directly to the Aerospace of China Board of Directors. Uh, specifically, we see that in the entry where she gives a report to President Yang Lin and General Han Wanwei. Uh, but there is a communication between AeroChina and their board to the Clovis Bray management, but it was only by direct orders. Like she, she actually is under the employee of Aerospace of China or Aero China. She is not an employee of Clovis Bray. Clovis Bray was uh, basically contracted, if you will, to build the complex and the various equipments and to provide the maintenance support and all that. Um, and then also like firewall, firewalls present there. Uh, and you know, we kind of already talked about that. So, and then you define, you kind of talked about the definition of it. The reason why I say that is that we found out from the collector's edition, you also get a manual for the anomaly, which is a, mm -hmm. a map on D1, but inside that manual, it's, it's called out that, excuse me. The location is, quote, a joint, undeclared, unincorporated, sequestered nonprofit venture between Clovis Bray, Exoscience, Agglomerated, and Aerospace of China, end quote. Um, so it was actually a secretive directive that was set to explore the Oceans of Storm region of the moon. Uh, and basically, a few days into the initial exploration is when we discovered an anomalous object, which is referred to later through the book throughout the book as the artifact or the article which would quickly prove to be a catalyst not just between aero china and clovis bray but within k1 itself um so this was a project that was taking place on the moon in conjunction um and kind of in tandem with the first light project uh they actually coordinated a lot with the first light at first but then because of various reasons, they actually cut themselves off, which is actually kind of tying back into what Green was talking about with Alton Bray's visit. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as like the location, uh, this is actually kind of a really cool tie-in. Uh, so the predominant location is the Ocean of Storms on Earth's moon. Uh, we actually get coordinates uh, of the anomaly location, which was really cool. It's, I think, 10 degrees south, 22 degrees west, and it's referred to throughout the, the entries as waypoint zero. Um, the K-1 complex itself is actually accessible to us in-game. Uh, we actually see mm -hmm. this in the form of the Lost Sectors. Lost sectors. Mm -hmm. There are four Lost Sectors that we get through. Uh, there is K-1 Logistics inside Archer's Line. The Logistics are uh, the place where the Project Supply Warehouse, Infirmary, and Brig are located. Uh, there is the Lost Sector of K-1 Communion in the anchor of light and the communion holds the areas that were that served as the data facility the command center and the transceiver reception uh and then crew quarters which was in the hellmouth segment of the moon uh the hellmouth was or sorry crew quarters was basically 
as it says, Project Housing. Um, and then the K-1 Revelation, which is Sorrows Harbor, uh, and the Revelation was really actually the dig site and the research outpost. So that was uh, Revelations, <clears throat> excuse me, Revelations was, my understanding is, the location of Waypoint Zero itself. Um, and so whenever we talk about those different areas, or if we call those out, that's kind of the the connection. I have that on the mind map as well. Um, let's see what else did I have? Uh, oh, and so basically, you know, green did a, I, I really like what the only couple things I wanted to add as to the why we had the win and now the why, um, really the whole point of this entry or this collection of entries is from firewall to Rasputin to detail the discovery examination and subsequent psychological breakdown of a human crew that encountered an alien artifact that was believed to be communicating with another source beyond our system or out in our deep space. Um, <gasps> Maybe like something that was going on on Titan. Yes. Uh, this is important. Spoiler. Yeah. Or not so much. Like <laughs> Last week's spoiler. It, yeah, last week's spoiler. So this is, this is where the strong connection to Croc and Mare and actually the web lore that dropped today uh, is actually prevalent. Um this whole thing is important because it seems to serve as a catalyst or at least one of the catalysts for the aggressive reaction that was performed upon Kraken and Mare by Rasputin and Soul Sectioned. Um, so outside the game, and this is where I kind of like it, is outside the game, this book also ties into information pertaining to Clovis Bray's involvement with alien artifacts. Uh, specifically, we get confirmation on the timing and nature of the interaction with the Vex. Uh, this gives flavor to the discovery of the anomaly or the artifact that D- Dr. Shanice Pell is examining on Kraken Mare, as well as potentially the reason behind her obsession in the form of David and or Halesha Pell, who dies in the K-1 complex. Um, so there's there's a lot of tendrils here that are connected to other things that are starting to uh, starting to solidify into a really interesting interconnectedness on the story for this particular time period and also kind of theme that we're seeing kind of re- resurge in game right now as well. Um, but again, this is these are these are recordings from Firewall. And these are basically, these have been sent to Rasputin for, you know, recording and analysis. Um, and so when we hear in Kraken Mar, when, when, when fire or not firewall Rasputin kind of has that moment of like, no, you are not leaving this planet with that data. This is the, this is the series of events that I would, I would kind of argue seem to inspire that need to quant or need to um quarantine that data into a single moon because he you know we have records here within this week's uh, topic we're going to talk about what exactly that data does to human um and it's it's not good and it's not there there is no room once you once you're exposed to the data what we see with the k1 team is that it is a hundred percent infective. Like it, it, there is no one who is exposed to the artifact that walks away unscathed. So, you know, just keep that, keep that in mind. It's an interesting kind of, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I almost see it as kind of like a, a, uh, not really resident evil esque, but like that type of horror ish, uh, mini movie, if you will, because 
it's basically everyone is doomed from the very beginning as soon as they get exposed to the artifact. And that's actually something that they um, talk about in, I think it's Noetic Effects, I believe, is where mm-hmm. um, it the, is. one of the primary psychiatrists is like, yeah, so we we expose, like, we, we have the group that's doing this, and then we expose the group that wasn't doing it, and they all, like, without fail, showed the signs of what they refer to as neurochemical cascades. Um which we'll get into probably more in the advanced session because there's there's a, the the effects that they list. Um, it's interesting. They call out two neurochemicals specifically, but the effects that they list actually don't have anything to do with those neurochemicals. So I'm I'm curious about I, your guys' yeah. thought about that. Um, yeah, and that's probably that could be just me overthinking it because I actually that's actually one of the things that I studied. <laughs> so when you say, when you say, uh, they, they call out serotonin and cortisol, um, there are, there are very specific stress chemicals. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, they, they do significantly more and, and there's serotonin is a bit of a weird neurochemical that gets, uh, it gets, it gets attributed to things that it doesn't actually do. So I'm just, I'm just curious about, you know your guys's thoughts on that actually but we'll get into that definitely but yeah so i um i don't know do we want to jump into the actual uh people that are involved here oh uh, we can uh let's uh josh do you want to start with the very first person that is mentioned in the book in moon mining that, i guess we uh, don't necessarily have names in there they're scrubbed Oh, the the two miners themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they're they're sort of the archetypal, you know, one of them. Yeah, they're sort of like the comic duo, but you know they're doing their job. They have no idea what it is. They, you know, they're realizing that whatever it is that they are messing with is well beyond what they should be. At least one of them is definitely sort of like let's just do the job. This is what we have to do. Right. Um, and then we get although, into... Or, go ahead. No, I was going to say that I appreciate the uh, uh, the Neil Armstrong and, yeah. <laughs> and the Buzz Aldrin jokes that go on. Mm-hmm. That, and then we get into Discovery with Dr. Tannis Lee, and we get the first mentions of C- Commander... Uh, I'm Kwong. still going to Kwong mm-hmm. and Captain Who or how mm-hmm. those two are in discovery. Any, um, any analysis on these three characters that we have? Cause they show up a few different times. So Kwong is a major character uh, mm-hmm. who are, who ye, uh, this is funny. I'm like, who you, um, sorry. Uh, who is actually, uh, he, he, she, I can't remember if we get the gender for Captain Who. I want to say it's a male. Um, Kwong is a female. Um, and then Tannis Lee is also a female. Uh, who is actually important later? Uh, he, he, they, they have a, uh, they, they have a very big part to play in the second, like the ending couple entries. So they, they kind of are, they're present throughout the entire thing because they are one of the on site manager officers for the facility. Um, but then the decisions that happen later, they actually make some of those really big decisions. Uh, Tannis Lee is, uh, she is actually the one that presents a origin or she is the first one that we see 
present the idea that the artifact was attuned to a distant source. And she, excuse me, she uh, says that she thinks that that source could be the traveler's home. So that's where there's like this whole thing of like, oh, there could be another traveler, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who is Dr. Wade Bow or Bow? Uh, so that was, he was, and that's a male, uh, he was the on-site psychologist, psychiatric doctor, um, and actually he was one of the first quote-unquote victims. So he he actually is not on K-1 for very long because basically uh, Kwong starts getting a little paranoid about things and replaces the doctors. Uh, a lot of the psychological doctors get replaced because of disagreements with Kwong. Um, basically, they, they are trying to limit the exposure of the crew to the artifact and Kwong doesn't agree with them. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that when we talk to talk about, uh, I think it's Dr. Green. Um, but Dr. Bo uh, was replaced due to Kwong's fear that, and she calls out that quote, Clovis Bray discovered the anomaly has negative effects. They will use their experience with the Vex to assert that they are the undeniable authority of safe on safe interaction with the radi- the radically alien end quote. So a couple of different things there. Um, we know that Bo seems to be communicating or at least some way with Bray or Bray is reviewing the notes that Bo has put into place. Um, they, uh, Kwong does not appreciate that Bo is a little bit unfiltered in his opinion on the effects of the artifact or the anomaly. And then also we get the call out that Bray has publicly admitted they have, uh, experienced the Vex and, um, so that gives us timing price, uh, timing reference to the events on Ishtar Academy, uh, with the submind that was used with the Vex there. Um, if not other components, depending on which particular conspiracy theory you want to go with Clovis Bray and alien technology. Um, so at least at this point, Clovis Bray has publicly acknowledged that they have experience with alien technology. Okay. So, Josh, who are Mike Loftus and Liam Yang, Yan? Or Yan? Uh, so, they seem to be the ones who sort of discover that there's this ongoing pattern. Um, and the pattern seems to shift back and forth, which just hearing the word pattern has me thinking a whole bunch of things <laughs> from unveiling <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and they're the ones who, you know, they're they're trying to figure out where it's coming from. Sort of. Oh God, PQZ. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I should say when I have my own notes, I have a lot of words and phrases that are highlighted, and next to it, I'm just like, "What is PQZ? What is?" I actually have an answer for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a <laughs> so, bit of a head trip. PQZ generally stands for um, the quarantine zone, so it's the it's most likely the permanent quarantine zone. Mm, see, I have a different definition. Oh, really? What do you have it as? So PQZ is also a file format, uh, which is basically associated with a couple interactive programs that are optimized to generate high-resolution 3D fractal images. Um, so when they reference checking the ambit 
uh, it's basically indicative of checking the scope extent or bounds of something, which ties back into the high resolution 3D image being created by the sound, which goes into the idea that they talk about the sound is enabled. The, the type of sound that they're tracking isn't a type of sound that can bounce. So the fact right. that they have sound coming back to them instead of going out means that they are actually communi- there is something actually actively communicating back with them. And that's the Wait, fractal. I s- hold up. I need I need you to explain something to me. The yeah. sound that doesn't bounce. Yeah, so they call out uh I'm trying to remember which which entry are they in. Hang on, let me scroll up here real quick. Um, they're in a deep space signal. Deep space signal, thank you. Um and now I have to find my my link. There it is. Uh so let me I want to actually say uh yeah, this is also where your your favorite quote is, Green. The sweet mm-hmm. nightmare milk. Um, mm-hmm. that, that got a lot of hits on Twitter. Oh my gosh, that was so gonna, funny. Everybody was excited about that one. So he says, check the ambit on the PQZ. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's weird, blah, blah, blah. So it's an echo. Well, the pattern repeats first from here and then from out there. So you think it's bouncing the signal off something outside the system. You're crazy. I'm not. Also, this kind of signal doesn't bounce. What can it hit between phasic realities? Nothing. Um... So basically, the signal that they're tracking on a PQZ is not a signal that commonly would bounce. Uh, right, but the PQZ is a location, is what it sounds like. See, I saw it as a device, a tool, because when you talk about the ambit on the PQZ, it's mm-hmm. the amplifier, the the actual uh, receiving of the data from the signal. I didn't read that as a, I, I mean, I can read now that you say that I can also see that. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't, I don't like PQZ as a location because why would you have an ambit on that? Doesn't make any sense to me. If you have a receptor on a PQZ, the PQZ, like the reason why I was, I was, I went down the, the file format is because that is actually a component that is used for that purpose. Uh, it tracks the different, uh, uh, amplifier levels and levels of audio and and generates a 3d image based off that so you know when you see the uh the black heart of the garden or the black garden you know how it has like well and you, actually a lot of people see this if you ever watch uh music videos on youtube a lot of times they'll have like that orb that pulses with the sound it's like a waveform mm-hmm. but it's a sphere waveform mm-hmm. that's what uh that's what a pqz creates that's what is being created by a PQZ or one of the things that can be created. That's what a fractal uh, 3D image can be. And so when you have that pulsation on those those images, that's a P, that, that is a possible option on a PQZ. Now, PQZ is usually like much more high end, like very sophisticated uh, feedback loops and stuff like that. Um, so it's not youtube but but um you usually see it uh there's a interactive program called quaz s qua sz uh, and that is a program that generates extremely high resolution 3d fractal images based off the input of different ambits for the scope extent and bounds of something okay Sorry, I am in the midst of revelation right now on the moon and attempting to. <laughs> so, but I, I never. Yeah, no, no, no. I never. I never even thought about it as like a uh, an actual location as area. 
mm-hmm. because as soon as they said check the ambit, um, like usually ambit, when I right, hear ambit. Check- but right, if you're looking for something in a zone and you're getting relays back and forth, which is one of the things they're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. They're talking about getting the the echo back of the same thing that's being sent out, like they're talking to each other. It's It does give the idea that it is a long ways away. Yeah, and I mean, like Ambit, so I'm just looking this up real quick. Uh, Ambit is... Is a noun that refers to the circumference or circuit, uh, also boundary or limit, or a sphere of operation or influence, range or scope. So, like the ambit of such an action is the definition that's given. Um, I just don't. I I didn't uh, attribute that to like a physical, like an actual physical thing, but I can see that uh, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so that's Mike Loftus and Liam Yang. We have President Yang Lin and General Han uh, Wanwei that show up in the next card. And they're really just auxiliary characters that are basically the overhead of the sort of overhead, but they're... They're on the board. They're bureaucrats. Yeah, generally, like, it's, it to me... So the thing to remember about AeroChina is that AeroChina was very heavily involved in all of the major space projects that we see in Destiny. Uh, that includes the Exodus project. That includes First Light. They actually were the the pretty much sole uh, runners of First Light. Exodus project was a little bit more of a collaboration. I get the feeling, um, but. You know, they they are the primary driving force behind a lot of the stuff. Anything that was doing stuff off Earth or involving the travel between planets kind of seems like it went through AeroChina, at least as mm-hmm. far as we know. So they're, they're a very large corporation. Um, and the president is obviously the, the company's president. And then you have the general, uh, which kind of, you know, they're both on the board. So if you attribute the common today's board of directors that doesn't mean that they're actually employees of it um they can be referred to if they're shareholders or whatnot but a general would make sense as well because that would be a cross connection to the different military units if you will okay the next card mouse josh who is dr janet green so, if I'm correct, Janet Green's one of the psychiatrists or one of the yes. psychiatric doctors. Uh, um, she was, yeah, she was kind of brought on to to do she's stuff. She's the one who ends up checking out the commander after mm-hmm. the commander has their episode. Um, although, I feel like she, I feel like she has a very subtle descent with mm-hmm. the artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, did you catch that between, too between mouse and boxing day oh my and boxing God. day i highlighted you know again we'll get into it later but there are parts of boxing day where i'm like yep yep mm-hmm. scary well and if, uh-huh. if she's having and she's the one that shows that descent and if you that if you apply that same descent to the commander it's like oh Okay, this makes sense why you're being this way if you're having a similar reaction. 
Yeah, and I think the one with with Janet Green is very sort of like if you you can read it one way and you'll just be like, oh, that's odd phrasing. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's the one who ends up checking out the commander at first when the commander first has uh, her first image with the the figure, as it's called. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm reading this. She might be along the lines of what David was in Croc and Mare, because mm-hmm. she says um, in Mouse, she says that they found something up here on the moon. It's a, well, no one really knows what it is, but it's talking to something way out there. It might be talking to another traveler, and that's what I'm here to help figure out. They need Mama to help crack, help them crack the code. So yeah, David I, they, was the uh, morality. He was an ethicist, yeah. Yeah. But his, oh, but his thing was boiling down um morality to be able to communicate to alien life about humanity that's so true i'm like I, maybe i don't know it almost it's... rationalizes her reaction in boxing day right <laughs> yeah it the hell out of me but... oh my gosh yeah her her descent it's it was something that like i read it a couple times and i'm like wait a second this is really creepy um but yeah, we'll get we'll get into that definitely. Uh, we mentioned in the visitor that Alton Bray already kind of mentioned him earlier. That Alton Bray is the brother or proposed brother of Elsie and Anna Bray, and part of the Bray family empire, I guess I would call it. Yeah, then you get Boxing yeah. Day again. Um, David Pell is mentioned in Waking Dreams. Blue, <laughs> I know you want to talk about this one. So this is an this is a really interesting one. Um, so the the entire waking dream is a conversation between Luli Henson, uh, Doctor Luli Henson, who kind of replaced Doctor Bo, uh, David Pell, who is a he's not called out as being a doctor, so he's kind of like a specialist or a, a researcher, and then Commander Kwong. Um, and the entire thing, I'm like the threat detected is just getting worse and worse at the point. Um, this is one about a year and two months into the project, and David has basically been called out for spending too much time with the transceiver. Um, so this is well into it, um, and he's he's accusing Doctor Luli of like he's basically going he's he's basically having a paranoid slight break um he's accusing her of trying to stick a needle in him and all this um and the commander is like you know hey okay let's let's calm down everyone calm down you know david let's talk you know we're just wanting to talk you know the basically very stereotypical like placating the crazy person and being like okay let's just stop um and then david kind of says no look it's better uh he says, I, I don't sleep anymore, which red flag there. Um, I dream when I'm awake now. And mm-hmm. and then he goes to show them a what's referred to as a drive. Now, we don't really know what it is. And at first, I thought maybe this has to do with the Exodus Project because there is a entry. I think it's maybe the next entry uh, where there's a, a Commander Kwong is research or re- citing a speech to herself to kind of practice um but actually it's i don't think it is because he basically goes on to say that it's a drive that builds a cosmophasic field around the object to generate a convergence point you can't build it with materials we have here plus you don't want to be in the solar system when you engage drive so just to you know clarify 
this is something that would dis- potentially destroy an entire solar system if you engage the drive. Um, that's another major red flag because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you wouldn't want to accidentally bring anything along with you. So this is not the near light speed drive. This is not, you know, anything. This is actually like a teleportation device that he's kind of come up with. Um, and then doctor's like, okay, yeah, that's nice. We're going to go get some sleep. And the commander's like, yeah, you know what? No, you're going to, you, you, you can go. David and I are going to talk. And that's where the entry ends. So David, David actually, this is the only entry in which I think David's specifically called out, but um, he actually does invent this like super powerful teleportation device that we don't really know where it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next grouping of people happens in time lapse because we get a lot of return people between like Captain Captain Howe and Captain Kyung. Yeah, there's the there's a ones, lot of technicians called out. Right. So we have Ivan Runsky, Giorgio Vital, Lin Choi, Rav Rahul, Jun Han, and Ibera <laughs> Win, which Jun shows up in a few places. Yeah, um, namely isn't that back surprising? Ocean of Storms too, which is a call out back to this kind of place. And oh, there's the, another place uh, that June shows up. I know, I know. Uh, we're going to talk about that place with Al Sector. So my only Al's? thing, my only thing there with with June is we have confirmation within Ocean of Storms too that June dies. So. If June is involved with the Owl Sector records, it would have taken place prior to K1, um, mm-hmm. which I don't. I think I think they're two separate people. To be honest, I think they just share a name, which is annoying. Yeah. And but it's not impossible. You know, it's there's people who share this name of you out in the world today. Um, it's 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 just funny because like I just was, I remember when June popped up in Revelation I was like wait a second mm-hmm. <laughs> like no you shouldn't be here um but yes yeah we get confirmation that June dies and then Luli dies in uh, Ghost Fragment Ocean of Storms two mm-hmm. and there's only one character left and she shows up at the very very end Doctor Amanda Smithy. Or yeah, or Smith. I t- I'd say Dr. Smith, which just cracks me up because of my Lost in Space reference. I'm the Pell sorry. Family. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was getting Dr. Smith from uh, just like Mr. Smith, but Matrix, me. Anyway. Oh, okay. See, I was going with Dr. Smith, the, the bad guy from Lost in Space. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Smith, I don't remember if I had anything specifically big on on her. I mean, I doesn't there's not a name call out in the card besides her name at the top of it. Yeah, which is um, a lot of times I have I have on my personal notes whether or not they actually were re- relevant to what was going on in the card or so if they were just referenced. I I have a really creepy theory about these 3. Mm-hmm. The, and I know we're going to probably talk about it in the second one, but there's three nightmares that show up outside of fail or firewall every time you go into Revelation, when you go to firewall to collect the uh, data. Mm-hmm. I think it's these three. 
June, Luli, and Smith? No, Giorgio, Dr. Amanda Smith, and Rav. Because they're screaming, firewall, firewall, let us in. There's hmm. things out here that are killing that. everyone. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that. I I think that's just a nod to this card. The three of them I'm talking about the in downfall nightmares. Yeah, and see the thing is too like this is one of the entries that a lot of people use to be like firewalls evil. I'm like actually I would disagree. I think firewall is actually trying to protect them, um, and basically they are so obsessed with the artifact that they're trying to get into this room and all firewall is doing is like, no leave. Like if you would just leave, it's not going to hurt you. But they keep like, they're like, let us in, let us in, you know, all this stuff. And he, and he keeps going and firewall keeps like, you can't do that. Like your quota. It, that's what you keep saying. The quota exceeded. And that quota that he's talking about is the quota that is exposure to the artifact. Mm. And it's like, cool. no, you can't get in here. You will, you like, you will die. <laughs> and then the sad thing is, is they die. They do die anyway. Um, yeah. I think that is plenty to go off for the introduction episode. I know advanced episode, we're going to get into a lot of talk with psychology and the medical stuff that's going on within these cards, because there's a lot to break apart. Yes. Yep. So, shout outs? Shout outs, yes. Uh, Josh, my shout out. Or Green, go for it. Yeah, I'll go first. Let Josh get his thoughts together real quick. Uh, shout out this week for me goes to the Bungie team for not being afraid to say something that might upset some people and then stepping away. And just letting everybody work it out. And I am meaning specifically the idea of sunsetting weapons. And I know a lot of people are mad about it. And I think personally it's a good idea as far as the developer standpoint. Because that will allow the sandbox to be manipulated more easily without nerfing or buffing certain weapons. You'll be able to control what weapons are being used because certain things are going to be more powerful now. That being said, the sunsetting only affects areas where light level matters. You're in Crucible, in the basic Crucible. It won't matter. So Crucible people who are freaking out, fine. You are fine. It'll be good. It'll be fine. And I know Blue has a totally different standpoint on this, but I am, I am saying shout out to the devs on that because I do think it's going to be a positive thing in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I... I... I'm just the type of person that, like, I have my loadout that I haven't changed since I started playing the game, really. And it's just me. My That's just my play style. Um, as far as, like, the strong emotions of, like, the, you know, don't touch my... I'm like, I, you know, I'll be clear. It's not going to change the way I play. <laughs> so, I'm like... You'll like, find a new scout yeah, rifle. Yeah, I'll probably be- find a new scout rifle. I mean... I finally got around to getting Wish Ender, and that's pretty much what I switched Nameless Midnight to at last. But I mean, Patron of Lost is really good. Just saying. I don't know what that is. That's one of the guns from this season. Oh, okay. I think the only one from this season that I've had a lot of fun with is Little Grenade Fire Launcher. 
uh, Martyr's Retribution. Yeah, that one. That one's a lot of fun. But I. But that's just because I like it using as a panic gun in PVE. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're, there's a lot of people here. There's not a lot of people here. Josh, do you have any shout outs? Um, well, yeah, first shout out to you guys for uh, bringing me back on. You know, it's been a while, so I'm happy to be here. Um, and I guess, unfortunately, on a more somber note, uh, shout out to my family. Uh, we had unfortunate news this week, and we are, you know, pushing through and doing better for it. So, well, condolences we... for that. Yeah, we are. I mean, we kind of have had a little bit of a heads up, both Blue and I. And I'm just going to reiterate the what we said in that thread that if you ever need to talk or ever need anything from us, you know, you have both Blue and I behind you. And I'm sure a lot of the Focus Fires family as well. Yes, and thank you for that. Believe me. Um, so I'm sort of happy to be here, happy to have the distraction, but also happy to have the fun of talking with you both tonight. Peace. I'm gonna cut you loose, Josh. You're gonna get into the next episode. And you're, gonna be, <laughs> you're gonna be debating with Blue, and we're gonna have we're gonna have it. We're gonna have it. I don't know what we're gonna have, but we're gonna have it. We're, we're gonna have it. Um, big shout out okay. to I believe it's uh, I think it's Matt Cernet was the author for this particular the primary author for this particular uh, book. Uh, mm-hmm. So really, really well done. Um, nailed the creepy. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, but yeah, so on that note, I wanted to just take our take our time or take a chance and say thank you for your time. Until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.